So Jesus of Nazareth had two natures, a human nature and a divine nature. But exactly how did both of those natures interact? Was one greater than the other? Was his divinity greater than his humanity? Was his humanity swallowed up or absorbed by his deity? How did both of those natures interact in one man, Jesus of Nazareth? Well, the answer to that question has been the source of a lot of controversy through the years. Hello, this is Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a systematic theology podcast where we look at the doctrines of the Christian faith in a systematic way. And we've been looking at, in this 200 series, at the person of Jesus. We looked in the 100 series at, at, at God, God the Father, and who He is, His characteristics and attributes. And we've been looking at the natures of Jesus in this 200 series. The first three podcasts, starting in 201, we looked at the humanity of Christ. And now we're looking at the deity of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth was the most unique person to have ever walked our planet. The accounts of Jesus' birth and life, death, burial, resurrection, His ascension, they're more than mythological stories. They actually happened in history. Jesus' marvelous life was more than just a beautiful idea or an abstract theological truth. It actually happened there was actually a person walking this planet who was both 100% God and 100% man. Jesus lived during a particular time in a particular place, born to a particular mother. He was born in the days of Herod the king when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. In Bethlehem, to, he was born to, to Mary and our Lord was placed into a geographical setting, born and raised in Israel, lived in the context of a political situation. He was born when a census was taken, when there was danger of a political revolution. And Jesus himself was expected to be a political revolutionary. And in essence, examining the life of Jesus is not simply discussing religious ideas and doctrines, it's really an examination of history. And whenever you examine the person of Christ, it's more than just a theological exercise. We're trying to figure out how did both of his human and divine natures interact. So now we've come to the study of the person of Christ and the very center of Christian theology. Really, all else is secondary to the question of what you think of Christ. Yet, one of the most controversial topics throughout all Christian history has been the deity of Jesus. The central tenet of the Christian faith rests upon Jesus of Nazareth being God in the flesh, not simply an extraordinary human as Mother Teresa or others have been, he was not just a great moral hero for us to imitate. To know him is not simply just to know a very good, very great and wise man. His nature was that of God the Father. So, 
What is the biblical teaching concerning the deity of Christ, and how did that deity interact with humanity? So, who was Jesus? Exactly how human was he? And exactly how much God was he? Was he truly God in the flesh? How did his human and divine natures interact and relate? And these are some of the questions that people have wrestled with all through the centuries. The, the church down through the ages has, has wrestled with the, the humanity and the deity of Jesus and how those both go together. Now, Wayne Grudem says, Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man in one person and will be so forever. I, I agree with Wayne. He was not half man, half God. He was fully man, fully God. And I agree there with Wayne Grudem. What about Jesus himself? What was he aware of? How, what did Jesus think and believe about himself? What did he think about his divine nature and his human nature? And do we get a clue as to how Jesus felt those natures interacted? Well, first, Christ made claims that would be inappropriate for someone who is less than God to make. For example, Jesus said, I will send my angels in Matthew 13, 41. Can, can any human say, I'm going to send my angels? Or, no, they were his angels, and that's what Jesus said. He referred frequently to the kingdom as my kingdom. I, I couldn't make that claim. Humans couldn't make that claim. Furthermore, Jesus claimed divine prerogatives. He stated, he forgives sin, which resulted in a charge of blasphemy against him. Matthew 25, 31 through 46, Jesus spoke of judging the world. Humans don't judge the world. Only God does. So our Lord said he would sit on his throne and divide the sheep from the goats at the culmination of the world, certainly only God exercises those kind of powers. Jesus claimed and exercised a unique relationship regarding the Jewish Sabbath. Only God could abrogate or modify Sabbath regulations, but Jesus did. And he stated in the Sermon on the Mount, You have heard it said, but I say unto you. That is, a, that is a divine prerogative. Now, in addition, the Bible teaches and shows us that Jesus claimed a special relationship with the Father. In fact, John 10.30, Jesus claimed equality with God whenever he said, I and the Father are one. We talked in our last podcast about John 8.58, Jesus claiming by a claim by the Jewish carpenter of pre-existence. Truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Millard Erickson, the theologian, says, Jesus did not say I was, rather he said I am. Leon Morris suggests that this is an implied contrast between a mode of being which is a definite beginning and a mode which is eternal. So within Jesus are two natures, one with a definite beginning as human and one with an eternal nature, which is God. 
Even at his trial, Jesus referred to his deity. According to John, the charge against Jesus at his trial was he, he made himself to be the son of God, John 19, 7. So when Pilate asked Jesus if the charge was true, Jesus' reply was interesting. He replied in Matthew 26, 63, You have said so, but I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Not only did Jesus not dispute the charge, he claimed to be God. So within the person of Christ, you see deity and you see humanity. And so how do we figure out how both of those natures worked together? Well, in trying to figure it out, I want us to focus upon four heresies or four false teachings that arose in the church as they struggle to understand who Jesus is and how his human nature and divine nature relate. Now, these four heresies that arose during church history are not just buried in the past. I'm going to share with you some current belief systems in which these old heresies have been repackaged and resurfaced in our day today. So let's talk about four heresies or false teachings on the natures of Christ, the divine and the human, and how they relate together. The first heresy that arose I want to talk about is called Ebionism, E-B-I-O-N-I-S-M, Ebionism. Now, this was a sect of heretical Jewish Christians that arose very early in church history. Some people say, well, there was no one defining leader. The word Ebion simply means a, someone who took a vow of poverty. Today, uh, Ebionites, uh, they, they eat vegetables only. They don't eat meat. They're vegetarians. They take vows of poverty. They travel around very poorly. And so Ebionism was this sect that arose early in church history, but one of their main beliefs was they denied the divinity of Christ. They believed Jesus was fully human, but he was not fully divine. Ebionism taught that Jesus was a normal human being who was empowered by God in a special way. So they rejected the virgin birth, maintaining that Jesus was born to Joseph and Mary in the normal, natural way. There was nothing miraculous. It was not an incarnation. There was nothing miraculous about it. And so, according to Ebionism, the baptism of Jesus was the single most significant event of his life. For it was at the baptism that Christ descended in the form of a dove and his deity came upon him. This was seen as the presence and power of God in a unique way rather than the nature of Jesus being divine. And then Ebionism believes that, the, at, that near the end of Jesus' life, the Christ withdrew himself from Jesus and he was again a normal human being. So here's what Ebionism believes. 
Jesus was a normal human being like you and me. There was no deity to him for the first 30 years of his life. And then at the age of 30, whenever he was baptized, at his baptism, the Spirit descended, a voice out of heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And at that moment was when Jesus became divine. And so Ebionism believes that then Jesus was divine. He had a human nature and a divine nature that went all the way for three and a half years. And then on the cross, whenever he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, deity left him. That's what Ebionism believes. This was an attempt to resolve the tension between the deity of Christ and the monotheistic view of God. But in order to believe this theology, this heresy had to deny a large selection of biblical evidence that pointed to Jesus' deity. Now, are there Ebionites today? Yes, there are. In fact, there are people today who still believe this false teaching about Jesus known as Ebionism. In fact, you can go to ebionite.com and you can see what they believe in the heresy of it. In fact, there are aspects of Ebionism today in modern groups. There are aspects of Ebionism in the, the Nazarenes, the Nazarene church. In fact, the Nazarenes have a strong connection to Ebionism through the years. Uh, there are aspects of Ebionism in Seventh-day Adventists. There are aspects of Ebionism and their teaching in New Age thought today, New Age beliefs. The Muslims uh, have aspects of Ebionism in their belief system. In fact, there are two large congregations in the United States of Ebionites. One is located in Kingdom City, Missouri, known as the New Covenant Assembly. And the other is known just west of us here in Abilene, Texas, known as the House of Yahweh, which is an Ebionite teaching church. But that's the first heresy that arose in church history, I wanted to mention, known as Ebionism, that, that struggled to understand who Jesus was and how those natures related together. Here's a second one, Nestorianism, N-E-S-T-O-R-I-A-N-I-S-M. And Nestorianism is the doctrine that there were two separate persons in Christ, a human person and a divine person, a teaching that is distinct from the biblical view that Jesus was one person. Now, it was named after a popular preacher in Antioch around A.D. 428. He was the bishop of Constantinople. And although Nestorius himself probably never taught this heretical view that goes by his name, his followers did after him. So they believe, Nestorianism believes, that Jesus was two persons, divine and human, rather than one person with two natures. They actually believe he was two different people. Now, it is important to understand why the early church would not accept the view that Christ was two distinct people, as Nestorianism teaches. Nowhere in Scripture do we have an indication that the human nature of Christ, for example, is an independent person deciding to do something contrary to the nature, divine nature of Christ. 
Nowhere in the Bible do we have any indication of the human and divine natures talking to one another or struggling within Christ back and forth, the two natures struggling back and forth. We don't see anything like that. Rather, we have a consistent picture of a single man acting in wholeness and unity, one person. So, Nestorianism believes the two-person nature of Christ when the Scripture teaches there is only one. Jesus always spoke as I. He never said we. Though he can refer to himself and the Father together as we, the Bible speaks of Jesus as he, not as they. And though we can sometimes distinguish actions of his divine nature and actions of his human nature in order to help us understand some of the statements and perhaps the temptations, but the Bible itself does not say Jesus' human nature did this or Jesus' divine nature did that, as though they were two separate persons. Therefore, the church continued to insist Jesus was one person who possessed two natures, human and divine. He was not two different people as Nestorianism taught. The third heresy I want to talk about concerning the natures of Christ is known as Apollinarianism. A-P-O-L-L-I-N-A-R-I-A-N-I-S-M. Apollinarianism. And it takes its name from the 4th century bishop of Syria named Apollinarius. This bishop, Apollinarius, reasoned that it would be ludicrous to believe that there was a duality of natures in Christ. He thought it would be ludicrous to believe that the duality of the human nature and the divine nature would dwell simultaneously in Jesus. So, he constructed a Christology based upon a very narrow reading of John 1.14 whenever it says the Word became flesh. Apollinarius had a very limited and narrow interpretation of that phrase, the Word became flesh. And Apollinarius said the flesh was the only aspect of the human nature involved in Christ. That's kind of odd, but according to Apollinarius, Jesus was composed of a compound unity. Part of the composite was human, and the rest of it was divine. So he's only a little fraction human, and only the rest of his body and nature was divine. So what Jesus took up as a man was not all of humanity, is what Apollinarius said, but only the flesh or the body so what you saw was a human body, but inside that human body was a divine nature, which was a false teaching. The body could not have life within itself. It needed a spark. Therefore, Apollinarius said, this divine logos took the place of the human being and as a, or a place of the human soul. And as a result, Jesus himself was different from every other human being. He did not have a human will. Consequently, he could not have sinned since his person was not fully controlled by his divine soul. That's the false teaching Apollinarius believed and became known as Apollinarianism starting in the 4th century. 
Now, theologian Lorraine Bettner, he, he tried to describe Apollinarianism with the analogy of a human mind being implanted into the body of a lion. The result, if you put a human mind inside the body of a lion, the result would be a creature governed not by a lion or by animal psychology, but by human psychology and reasoning. So, in Apollinarianism, the dual nature of Jesus became one nature with the divine swallowing up the human body. And this heresy was condemned by the Council of Constantinople in A.D. 381. Now, there is modern Apollinarianism today that is among us. Uh, it started in the mid-1800s. Uh, Apollinarianism kind of repackaged, I guess you might say, uh, Gottfried Thomasius uh, uh, in the mid-1800s, and then Wolfgang Frederick Gess in the late 1800s, and maybe a theologian you've probably heard of, Adolf Van, uh, von Harnack, the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, Adolf von Harnack believed basically Apollinarianism, that Jesus only had a little bit of a human nature and rest divine nature, and that divine just swallowed up his human nature. These were basically an attempt, or this was an attempt to safeguard both natures, and it ends up denying Jesus' humanity is what it does. But Apollinarianism tried to safeguard both natures. Now, there is a movement today known as Neo-Apollinarianism in theological circles. If you Google it, you'll see all about it. It is a new Apollinarianism thought and belief. And there are some who say that the... Christian apologist William Lane Craig uh, has a Christology of Apollinarianism or Neo-Apollinarianism. So some people say that charge against William Lane Craig is, is um, unfair, that he's not a Neo-Apollinarianist. But uh, read, his, read his Christology very carefully. He's a, he's a great defender of the faith, of the Christian faith. But as you look at his at William Lane Craig's Christology closely, look at it in light of Neo-Apollinarianism. And now let's go to the last uh, heresy, that false teaching that developed in the early church that we see repackaged today that is a false teaching of the struggle of Jesus' natures. We saw Ebionism and Apollinarianism and Nestorianism. But the last one is known as Arianism. Arianism, A-R-I-A-N-I-S-M. It was the teaching of Arius, a church leader in Alexandria. And Arianism became a major threat to the views of the early church regarding the deity of Christ. According to Arianism, God alone is the unique source of all things, and only the Father possesses the attributes of deity. Everything other than Jehovah God came about as a result of his creation. So therefore, Arianism taught that only God the Father is divine, not Jesus. And that Jesus is a created being. While Jesus is a perfect creature, according to Arius, he is not in the same classification as God. 
and therefore he is not self-existent. Now, Arius teaching, uh, Arians uh, base their teachings on selected passages in the New Testament that seem to indicate there is an inferiority of Jesus to the Father. But if you do a syntactical study, you will see it contradicts the claims of Arianism. Arianism was willing to concede that Jesus was similar in nature or of the same essence to the Father, but that he was not the same as the Father. So Arianism was finally condemned as false teaching by the Council of Nicaea in A.D. 325. But folks, I want to tell you, we have Arianism alive and well in our culture today. Remember what Arianism teaches? That Jesus was a created being by the Father. In other words, there was a time Jesus did not exist. God's eternal. He's always existed. But Arianism taught that there was a time Jesus did not exist. Then the Father created Jesus, just like he created the world, like he created the angels, and that Jesus is not God. He is the Son of God, but he is not divine. And that teaching is prevalent in two major groups that you know of you around you, around you right now, Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. Both the Jehovah Witnesses and the Latter-day Saints, Mormons, both of them believe that God, the Father, is the only one eternal and that Jesus is not eternal, he is not God, that he is a created being. In fact, I've had conversations, had a conversation last summer with Mormons out in Salt Lake City and I just straight out asked them, do you believe that Jesus was God in the flesh? And No, no, no. He is the Son of God, but He is not divine. He is a human nature, but not a divine nature. Jehovah Witnesses on my front porch a while back, I asked them the same question. No, no. In fact, one of them said, I would be afraid to be struck by lightning if I believed that, that Jesus was God. But folks, the Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches Jesus had, was one person and had two natures, the divine nature and the human nature. He was 100% God and 100% man, fully one, one person forever. And how those natures interacted back and forth were in conjunction and unity and harmony together as one person, as God and as man. One other note about Arianism, there is a teaching known as modernism today that has components of Arianism in it, human reasoning. John Shelby Spong, an Episcopal bishop who recently retired, he was an advocate of Arianism within modernism. He didn't believe Jesus was, had a virgin birth. He did not believe in the resurrection. And so there, whenever you hear teachings like this today that devalue the person of Jesus as being divine or reducing his divinity, you will know immediately to identify it as a false teaching. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed our podcast this time. Join us next time as we continue to talk another session about Jesus, his deity, his nature, and about the person of who he was. God bless you. I will see you next week.